Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, February 23rd. No, it's March. I'm sorry. I lost a whole month. It's March 23rd. We are here live. I am somewhat awake today. May not sound like it since I don't know what month it is. Uh, I got some decent sleep last night. Not great, but I feel better. My brain's working. Lots of trucking news today. It is a free-for-all, by the way. We have no guests. We have no theme today. You can talk about anything you want. We're going to open up the phone lines right now, so jump in anytime. 855-950-3835. I will be going until... I'm looking at the clock today. Um, 10, I believe. We've got, uh, yeah, Rolling Toe is confirmed today. Both Kevin and Mike Beckett will be doing Rolling Toe today. So I'll need to wrap up by then. If you've got a question, you want to jump in soon today, 855-950-3835. We have John, Joel, and Henry all confirmed for tomorrow. Uh, I almost think I might save one of my topics today for tomorrow. It fits better. It'll depend on calls. So, well, calls are starting to come in. Maybe I will save that one for tomorrow. What, um, I'm going to go with this one then. So we know that, um, we are heading into, I would, I would make the claim we're already in a freight recession compared to where we've been for the last couple of years. I think it's going to get worse. I think rates have further to drop. I think volume is going to become an issue. Uh, and we've been talking about that. It's nothing major. It's a normal business cycle. As normal as it can be, this is different. Our economy has changed somewhat. Um, government's having some weird impacts this time around, but it's it's a normal business cycle. There is another factor right now, though, that, um, that you should be aware of. Um, this is the first I've heard about this. There is a... Um, There's a merger application right now for Canada Pacific and Kansas City Southern. Um, The Surface Transportation Board has already approved it, and it looks like this is going to go through. If it does, um, it will create the first single-line railway connecting the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. And both uh, STB and CPKC, uh, the name of the merged rail line, um, explicitly state the goal is taking trucks off the road. That is the point of this whole merger that's happening. And the Biden administration is in favor of this. So I believe it's going to go through. The point is to take trucks off the road. 64,000 truckloads a year. Now that sounds like a really big number, and it is, 64,000 truckloads. Uh, Probably, if you do the math, couple million pounds of freight. 
Now, when you look at the total amount of freight moved by trucks, 64,000 isn't really a big number, but this is a pretty big deal. And depending on what happens with this, this could become a bigger deal. So just because they build this rail line and make it available does not mean shippers will put their freight on there. The 64,000 is an estimate. Nobody can force shippers to put freight on this, but freight on the rail is usually very cost effective. Uh, Service can be an issue. So it's still up in the air how many truckloads this may actually take off the highways. It might be more than 64,000. If pricing is good and service is good, it may take more off. Uh, I have a feeling that moving freight from, you know, Mexico to U.S. and Canada or the other way around uh, is probably going to be a whole lot easier on this. Um, You know, you've got border crossing issues with trucks. I think the rail system's probably a whole lot more efficient at this. Uh, But we got to wait to see. I did, uh, I'm going to go find my notes in here. Um. In a normal um, freight environment, in the freight environment we just came out of the last couple of years with lots of volume and really strong rates, 64,000 would not have been a blip on the radar. We wouldn't really notice 64,000 less loads in the market we're coming out of. The market we are heading into a down market, a depressed market, 64,000 loads will have a big impact. In a normal market, we pick an average freight year, 64,000, you'd feel it. You'd know there was something there. So we're heading into a down market. We don't know how down it's going to be. There's speculation it could be further down and deeper and longer than most. This will just exacerbate that problem. There was even, I'm trying to find it in here. Um, They even did a pretty good job of defining exactly what type of freight. This wasn't my primary topic today, so I didn't have my notes really ready for this. I'm trying to find where they talked about... um, Exactly what, okay, car haulers, auto part haulers, and even dry van operations are squarely in CP Casey's crosshairs. This, of course, comes at a time of weakening freight rates in trucking and something of a bloodbath among small carriers uh, where truckers have seen five straight months of free fall uh, in rates. So bad timing for this. Uh, and this could have an impact. Now, remember, any time we take freight off the highway, even if that's not your freight, if you say, well, I'm a flatbed hauler, uh, it has an impact. Trucks are easy to move from one segment to another. I know small owner operators who have three different kinds of trailers, so they can move back and forth. So when we take freight off the highway, no matter what you do, there's going to be an impact. So... Keep that in mind. Um, you know, part of what they're what they're doing here, 
Um, they talked about, you know, the driver shortage. There's two big pushes to take drivers off the highway and take trucks off the highway and or, you know, move to electric and autonomous. Um, and electric addresses one issue. Autonomous ad addresses another. Electric addresses the climate issue. Autonomous addresses the person issue, the shortage of drivers. That is a pretty powerful set of factors for these kinds of things. And the Biden administration is all in on this stuff. I, I expect we're going to see a lot of this happen while they still have as much control in Washington as they have. So could be in for a couple of rough years, that's for sure. All right, I had some other things, but uh, calls are starting to come in. Some of my topics fit better tomorrow. I may come back to some today. We'll see. Let's get started in Texas. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. What's on your mind um, today? This, were you talking about the, the trains and shipping and imports and the economy and everything? Yeah. So this week I've been back on the the Texas import stuff load at the port and I've been going there off and on since the end of 2019 and when I got there on Tuesday where the automobile terminal was it's right there beside the container terminal okay Tuesday afternoon when I got there it's the first time that I have never seen a ship tied up unloading at that dock Really? 2019. Wow. And when I got back there last night, there was a boat there, but they weren't working it. Huh. So I think imports so, are slowing down. Yeah, that sounds like that's the case. I think everything's slowing down. You know, you notice the things that you see in your own industry or your day-to-day -day operations, but when you look at everything, everything's slowing down. And, I, you know, I, I think, you, you probably know this, cars and auto parts. Um, North America produces a lot of cars and auto parts between all three countries, and there is a lot of that freight yep. that moves back and forth. I think that is going to be a big impact yep. as the automotive industry is going to get hit hardest by this. People in trucking who work with the automotive segment, I think, are going to get hit harder. But Dry vans, I'm sure, probably not a lot of refrigerated, not a lot of flatbed. But like I said, anytime you take freight out of the system, it's going to affect every segment. Yeah, because some people are just not going to, well, I'll just sit back and wait for something to happen. Yeah, it's yeah. like, like, like my, my neighbor, he used to be, he lives around the corner from me. He used to be leased to a carrier and he did tank. Well, then... I see him dragging a flatbed and I was talking to him and he's like, no, he says, I went and got my own authority. And he said, I've been doing this flatbed. Well, then a few, um, about a month ago, I noticed it's like, oh, he's got a hopper bottom as well. <laughs> so he has a hopper bottom, a flatbed and a tanker. There you go. The, you and know, I, the, the money I, I in trucking is in trailers, not trucks. The money's in trailers. That's where the freight goes. And I think it's a smart idea yeah. um, for small owner-operators, small fleets, to always be on the lookout for good trailer deals. Now, you don't want to be going and buying brand new trailers as extras. 
But there are such great deals on trailers. If you just keep your eyes open, you can. And that's an opportunity that's coming. Equipment prices have not yeah. dropped anywhere near where I think they should be yet, but they're on their way down. They <laughs> will get down there. This this next year or two will be a good time to pick up used trailers at good prices. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was down there helping my neighbor move his cows, and I see these two bobtailed Peterbilts go past, and I was like, oh, those two good-looking trucks. wonder where they go. And then about half an hour later, and he'd left earlier in the morning with his tanker. Well, about half an hour later, one of them goes past and is pulling his hopper bottom trailer, and the other one goes past and he's pulling his flatbed. So I guess he either rents his trailers out there or he's go. got his buddies yeah. coming and pulling. So he's probably doing pretty good. So he doesn't yeah. have an auto transporter yet. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. he got yeah. He, he probably going to leave that to me. So I, I think yeah. so. That, that one's a little, it, it, you know, it's easy to move back and forth between, you know, trailers that don't require special equipment or special configurations. So flatbed, van, reefer, hopper bottom. But then you get into operations where you need to pump off. So you've got to have that. And you've got such weird configurations on tractors. So you're a little safer than most. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I I cannot unhook my trailer and go and hook onto a box or a dump truck, or I cannot unhook no. onto anything except the <laughs> auto transporter. And That's a, right. A thing of one of that. So, That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'm stuck with what I'm stuck with. So, so that was my choice. So That's right. But the, the stuff I'm doing, it's Texas and Oklahoma is all I do. But um, fifty percent empty. Yeah, you know, I go I go to South Texas for about from. Seabrook area for about six dollars a mile and turn around and go back empty and then load another one there so this go. week i have two south texas loads and an oklahoma load and i'll be back home on saturday so. that's a great operation i'm liking it yeah so yeah so and then next week i, I disappointed him because he says do you want another load for this week i said no and he said oh, I'll, I'll hook you up for next week and i said I'm not going next week. What? <laughs> and I said, I need to go to Louisville Truck Show. Oh, oh well, and I take, most guys only take nine of these cars, but i greedy. I take 10. I can still do it legally. There you go. Um, and he says, well, I have those built as 10 unit loads. And he said, I'm not splitting them up. So they'll still be there when you get back the week after. So, oh, good. Yeah. Very nice. So there you have it. Yeah. All right, I'll let you get someone else. All right, good stuff. Let's go to Texas. Gary, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What's on your mind yeah, today? I'm going to talk. I talked to you yesterday about the SIBO. Uh, yeah. So I think what I want to do is do an, uh, get a hold of your people and see if y'all will help me cure this. And, sure. and find out how I need to do that. And um, and I've got another question or two about the honey. Okay. So we got the Manuka honey. My wife bought two different kinds of Manuka honey. One of them is a water spoon K factor of 12. Okay. And I don't know how strong that is. The other is Taylor Pass with a UMF of 10 plus. So which one of those do you think would be the best? 
Oh, so I've, I've got to... Uh, or either. No, I've got to... I don't remember some of these ratios. The problem is okay. there are multiple certifications of Manuka honey. What we're talking about here, Manuka okay. honey has a special compound in it. And that's what makes it so potent. It, it The honey only comes from um, pollen and the Manuka tree. I think it might even be the same tree we get tea tree oil from, which is also a really powerful, it's used in a lot of cosmetics and um, tea tree oil is pretty amazing stuff. For some reason, I think this may be the same tree. So if the bees feed yeah. on that tree, then the honey they produce will be called Manuka honey, but then it gets rated and it gets rated for this factor that's in there, this special compound, but there are more than one rating scale. So it's like trying to measure something and using inches one time and centimeters the next. They're both legitimate ways to measure things, but they you have to have a conversion between the two. You can't compare them. You have to convert. And the same thing happens with Manuka honey. So you said we had a K factor of 12, right? Right. And then On one of them. And then the other one is a UMF. What was that number? That's 10 plus. Yeah, 10 plus. So I think that means more than 10, less than 15, if I remember how they do that. Right, right. it does. Um, you know, I should uh, I should have probably created a calculator at some point. Both of these, I, I would probably on this one, I think I would lean towards the K-12. And you said that was um, wetter spoon, right? Wetter spoon. What's the other brand? It's Taylor Pass. They're both from New Zealand. Yeah, well, they have to be. I mean, I believe it, New Zealand oh, is oh. the only place that produces uh, certified Manuka honey. And just so people know, this certification goes all the way to what they consider medical grade Manuka honey that is used in um, medical settings. Uh, bur burns a and lot that, of times. That, that, that's what I was trying to get Pam to buy, but she couldn't find any like that. And this is about all she found. So. I don't, I've never seen it for sale. I know it exists, but I've never seen okay. it for sale. Um, I would stick with the wetter spoon on this one because I'm familiar with that brand. I've done a lot of research on that brand, and it's it's legitimate. I mean, when, when they publish numbers, they're correct. And uh, so I would go with that one. So the K factor yeah. of our... our yeah, so that would be fine. That's what I was worried about. If it's a good enough grade, uh, but this would be fine to work with. It is, and and you know, if we were looking at okay. if, if we were looking at skin care, like wound care, then I might dig a little deeper and yeah. say, no, let's find something more powerful. When we're talking about digestive, yeah. I, I don't get too crazy about. I, I, in fact, I don't want the most powerful. I want somewhere, you know, okay. something that could be effective, will have some antimicrobial properties, but I don't want it to be too powerful. Yeah. Okay, and I've got the Entron Teal ordered. Um, Brittany said she put me on the list to, 
to order. You're out of the pros, so as soon as okay. we get that, I'll order well, that one also. Well, no, don't don't do that yet. Don't order the pro. I don't. I don't okay. even like to start with the okay. pro. Again, it's kind of a right. You, you right. Know, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm going to start with the other one, and I've got the other one ordered. You know, it's kind of like we we don't want to we don't want to kill a spider with a 12 gauge shotgun. It's it's overkill. Okay. You know, there there's collateral damage when you do things like that. Same thing here. I I, I don't know that you, it doesn't sound to me like you have a severe case, and we're pretty good at curing this. I mean, we we've done it a lot. I don't good. think your your case sounds all that severe. So I, I don't want to reach for the 12 gauge shotgun yet. A pellet gun will be fine right now. Okay. Okay. All right. So another thing that is, is it time for me to go ahead and start taking the honey? And if so, how do I mix the honey and oil of oregano and the coconut oil? So one of the ways you could do this that I would do it is to create a drink, um, that those go in and go well, like coconut oil goes well in coffee or hot chocolate. It adds some fat to it and some body. So again, actually, in, uh, I, I might do something like one of the functional mushroom drinks, like pick an adaptogen okay. that, that you want to do. We've got two of the cacao. One is perform, uh, kind of helps you perform better. Um, the other one is, is chill. The reishi, which is you know, if yeah. you're dealing with stress. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I've got several different kinds of that at home. So I, I would, I would. I'm start, prepared for that. <laughs> now, let's hold off on the oil of oregano right now, too. I know I mentioned it, and it. Let, it we, I'm, 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 wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say just then? The let's hold off on the about oil, oregano. Yeah, let's hold off on the oil of oregano oh. right now. Okay. So let's do a drink All with right. the raw cacao, the coconut oil, and the manuka honey. Make that an evening drink. Okay. And let's start there. And and that's a, an easier, more gentle approach. Again, we're, we're going in with a, a pellet gun, not a 12-gauge shotgun here. Uh, if it doesn't work, okay. and, and if this either doesn't clear up or clears up and comes back, which is a very common occurrence when they use antibiotics— then we'll go to the next step. But we almost never have to. I mean, maybe maybe one out of 10 cases, we need to kind of, you know, go back and revisit it again. We usually clear this up pretty quickly. Okay, good deal. Um, so with the honey and the oil, or the coconut oil, how do I mix that uh, just to start to out with? Just a blender, because you're going to make this hot. So I would just, you no. know, I, oh, go ahead. No, I, I mean the measurement, the uh, measurement. I'd, I'd start with a but, tablespoon of coconut oil and a kind of a heaping teaspoon of the Manuka honey. But you, you may want to play that one more by taste than anything. Manuka honey's got kind of a weird taste. It will add a little bit of sweetness. It's not as sweet as most honey is. And it, it actually has, I know this is going to sound weird, but to me, it has a medicinal taste. Yeah. And you said a teeping, you broke up there for a second, a teeping, uh, what'd you say about the honey? A, a teeping spoonful? A heaping teaspoon. So, you know, typically if we're okay. trying to get an exact measurement, you would want a level teaspoon. 
I, I would go, uh, you know, a okay. little more than that, kind of a heaping teaspoon. And, and then again, just play it by taste. You know, if you if you want a little more and you can and the taste is fine, put in a little more. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let me see, let me look at my notes. If there's anything sure. else. Yeah, you know, this is one of those things that regular doctors struggle with. They they use the antibiotic route and it goes away and everybody's happy. And three weeks later, it's back. And sometimes it's back worse. Many times it's back worse. Then they don't know what to do. So they just do the same thing again. Uh, we don't have that. What we tend to have is, like I say, we go in with kind of a gentle approach first. Let's Let's try to ease our way into this. Many times that just fixes it. If it doesn't, it's not like we get this huge rebound effect. So we just continue to up the protocol a little bit each time until this clears up. Okay. And I did, like I told you yesterday, I did take three and that's all I've taken of the antibiotic and it really made me feel better. So uh, with that, I'm sure that wasn't, I'm sure that wasn't enough antibiotic to, um, really do a lot as far as making them making the bacteria like a bionic bacteria or anything like that no 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 no. so let me yeah let me explain something you know we're all freaked out about you know resistant bacteria resistant viruses resistant fungi there's a huge news story i addressed it yesterday the fungi going around in these hospitals and nursing homes candida auris it right. is becoming, like you use the word bionic, yeah, it, it is becoming very, very drug resistant. And we are worried about that. So, but that happens over millions of uses. You know, we use tons of antibiotic in animals, unfortunately. We shouldn't be doing that, but we use a ton. We People use it when they shouldn't use it. People start taking them and then stop taking them. All of those things can lead to a, a drug-resistant bacteria, but no one event would ever lead to that. You know what I mean? It's a cumulative thing. The fact that you took three three of these and stopped, no. That had no impact okay. whatsoever on any of this stuff. Um, so don't worry about that. Um, that. That's not a big deal at all. all right. You know, the, the idea that you took this and immediately felt better, the analogy I always use is find any heroin or fentanyl addict on the street, you know, and, and give them a shot and watch how much better they feel. It does feel good. We know it, but it's not, it's not the right way to approach this. Okay. And let me ask you this. Uh, I took, I don't like taking a, a lack, I guess it's called a laxative and I don't remember. It was a little bitty small pill. And I, when it was giving me a fit last week, I was up all night long, just back and forth. So I took one of those and that immediately cleared that up. And then later, a few days later, I ended up having to take a half of one, and it did the same thing. So if I get to that case again, those aren't, they're not that bad for you, are they? Yeah, they are. Would it be worthwhile I, to I, take one? They yeah, are. Okay. I, I don't know what it is you're taking. Do you have any details? Uh, it was a, 
It wasn't a laxative. It was the uh, supposed to stop you from having the runs. Oh, and okay. I cannot so, say. Oh, what, yeah. I thought I thought it was a laxative. It, it's the opposite. Uh, I, yeah, right. I said laxative, but right. It's opposite, and it's a little bitty pill. Yeah, uh, size, but it really works. Size doesn't matter. Yeah. It, just so I guess I'm asking if it. I, if it I, comes down to that point again where I, I can't sleep. Uh, I still don't know what it is. It's hard for me. There, right. there are okay. multiple drugs on the market that can do this, and I don't know which one it is. Here's what I will tell you. I try to okay. avoid pharmaceuticals and over-the-counter medication every time I can. Now, if it's a matter of, yeah. you know, this just hit me, I can't sleep, I really need to sleep, then yes, I would take it too. Uh, but if we can, right. it, when we do the the one-on-one or the discovery call with you or whatever you decide to do, we can address that as well and give you some other options instead of taking that. Okay. So at this point, would you recommend doing uh, one-on-one or a discovery call or, or both or uh, what? I, I, we can handle this with a discovery call. Here's how this will work. If it's a discovery call, right. it, it, that's where I would start. And many times, Lauren will give you a 30-day plan to address this. And make sure you also remind her, you know, you want to know how to deal with um, any diarrhea you might get during this time and uh, she'll put that into the protocol as well. But she's going to give you a 30-day plan. And one of two things are going to happen. Okay. It's either going to work in 30 days, and I, I'll give you about a 9 out of 10 shot that it's going to work in 30 days, and then we're done. You just go on with your life. Um, and if it doesn't work in 30 days, that's when you go to the one-on-one and you have to start paying us. Okay. Sounds good. So I just go into your website and yep. look for the discovery call and go from there. Yep. Okay. It's a All right. simple And I'll process. try to get this started as soon as possible. Excellent. All right. Good deal. All right. Thanks for the call, Gary. Thanks. I'll look forward to uh, following up on this one. Let's go to Wisconsin. Stephen, welcome to the program. Hey, morning, Kevin. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Uh, just a couple of quick questions for you. Um, so I'm actually hiring my um, my first driver again, my second truck within the next month here. Oh, that's exciting. Essentially, um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm pretty pumped with the same broker and all that stuff. Yeah. I went over the, the route and it seems pretty profitable already. So um, I'm just kind of um, payroll, obviously. Um, I'm not sure how to do all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've looked at, I know QuickBooks called me and, you know, they offer, you know, Hey, and, hey, Steven. You know, there's the one with the tax shelter Steven? for 20000 and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Are you on some sort of a headset? I am. Can you move the boom down a can little you bit? Can Well, I can hear you okay. I'm getting a lot of wind noises, like breath noises, like the it's right in front of your mouth. If you move it down a little bit, sometimes that takes Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that any better? Yeah, right there you there? go. Yep. No. Okay. Yeah. So just uh, essentially like um, if you'd recommend a different program or 
or you would go with that one. I know the top of line one of QuickBooks, it's like, oh, we give you a $20,000 tax shelter if we mess up with anything, blah, blah, blah. You, um, you don't but, need uh, the yeah, top of the line. I mean, you can choose which level of service you want. There's value in all of them. I, I'm a huge fan of QuickBooks, have been mm-hmm. forever. I bought the first version of Quicken in the 80s. And then I think when QuickBooks first came out, it might have been like 1990, somewhere in that era, 90, 91. I had the first version of QuickBooks, and I've been using QuickBooks continuously ever since. Most of the inspiration for profit gauges came from me using QuickBooks for over a decade before I even started on profit gauges. And what I did was I had been doing thousands of clients on QuickBooks. This was when I did accounting every day and I was using QuickBooks for all of my clients. And what I did was I took all the best stuff of QuickBooks and built profit gauges and took out all the crap you didn't need if you were an owner operator. And then I added in cost per mile. I mean, QuickBooks is why profit gauges exists. It, and I really modeled it after QuickBooks because a lot of that program is just really well designed. I, I doubt that you need the highest level of service, but again, you can decide on that. But I, I think there, we have used their payroll service um, since Let's Truck existed. Okay, so like withholdings and all that stuff, they'll take oh, care of me on that they're end. They're fantastic. They take sure care I'm of doing that, right? Yeah, and again, the levels of service really are how much work do you want to do, if anything. When you go to the that top level, right. they take care of just about everything. You do nothing. And I'm still driving, so that's where exactly. I'm kind of like highly yeah. considering that option. Yeah, yeah. You know, now that you said that, you're right. I said you probably don't need that level of service, but they're they're all a good value. You're, you're not spending much money for these services. Okay. Um, and you right, can, yeah. you, you can it, upgrade and downgrade at any point too. So if you take the highest level of service right. and realize, oh, you know what? I don't really use a lot of those features I'm paying for. Then you just downgrade. Sure. Okay. That sounds good. And then um, another quick question I had was, um, as you being, um, you know, starting out as a single, you know, owner operator and then eventually hiring employees, having drivers, have you statistically seen, let's say it's the same truck you were driving, what you netted that, that year. And then, uh, you put a driver in there, assuming they're a pretty good driver, but have you seen statistically, I know you can't give me an exact, uh, Oh no, percentage, I could, I, like, I could uh, give you exact if rough, you want. <laughs> rough <laughs> estimate of how much that percentage is going to drop. I, I tracked this closely for years and I still do with, with clients that have, you know, their own truck and then they have drivers on the truck. Um, just a, a good round rule of thumb number, 10% profit wise, you're going to lose 10%. Okay. And that's if you get a okay. relatively good driver. That's not terrible. No, it's not horrible. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not horrible. We hate to lose anything, but um, I, in, in worst case not scenario. Like you want to hire anybody though. That's true. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you could see double that. I, I've seen drivers that have screwed things up so bad that, and, and at 20%, you're not going to stay in business. Right. And yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I know the guy I worked with him actually in the past and um, obviously just, you know, just being two guys, we're going to, I'm sure I'll be pretty close monitoring how it's everything's going and stuff. So, but 
just figure out to ask and kind of be prepared for it. So. Yeah. Uh, t- if you if you have anything less than 10 percent, like if if you put a driver in that truck and he's within 5 percent, pay him more. OK, fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's a good rule um, of thumb. Um, Any time that your your driver gets, you know, under that ten percent number, consider giving them a raise and, and getting back to about that ten percent yeah. or bonuses. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And um, another real quick, and I'll let you go here. Um, you know, I do um, local P and D type operation, um, and I, you know, I'm kind of. In favor of, oh, hey, um, I hey mean, Stephen, hold on a second. Go hold, ahead. Hold on a second. I'm glad you said that. I don't know if you mentioned that earlier. If you did, I didn't catch it. I need to adjust that number. No, I did not. We're, we're going to shift that that range instead of 10 to 20%. We're going to shift it to 15 to 30 because that P&D route Let's think about this. We put a driver in a truck and we've got a load. Let's do the extreme. We've got a load from the East Coast to the West Coast. Okay. How many mm-hmm. things honestly can go wrong? I know we could start to name all kinds of things, but how many things typically do go wrong? Not many in an operation like that. I mean, basically, you get in the truck, you point it West and you just keep driving. Right. There's not much to it. That is so different from. Right. I have six deliveries all over the place in this one little local area. So I got to figure out the best, most efficient way to do it. Now I have to deal with things like, well, every time I show up at this dock at 10 o'clock, I have an hour and a half wait just to get in. So it's better to show up there at 1230. And now I have four pickups that I have to schedule. And one of them I can't even get to till six o'clock tonight. I mean, you know how complicated P&D work gets. Your driver can make right. you or so break you quickly in an operation like that. Okay, so you said from 10%, it's going to be more like 15 to, what did 30. you say? 30 on the top side. Okay. Okay. And then, so I guess um, I'm thinking about it now. The route I have right now, it's actually kind of nice. It just truck loads out to um, like 90 miles west of me, Milwaukee. Then I go about 50 miles now, south of that, and it's another truckload back to Milwaukee. The other route they're offering me is more like 10 stops. I should probably do the one yes. that's more frequent stops and have Absolutely. him do the basic yes. just now, truckload out let, west, back. and. Let me give you some exceptions to that because you are thinking correctly. You take the more difficult, give him the, give the new driver the simpler route. Let's say, though that you get somebody that comes to you and they've worked for an LTL carrier, true LTL. I mean, some LTL with with a tractor trailer is 30 stops a day. I've done it. So if you get somebody applying like that, then you give them the multi-stop run and let them make the additional revenue. But they have to have that experience. Sure. Right, right on. No, I appreciate you made that point for sure. Thank you. Um, and then, yeah, so with that being said, with the operation, um, you know, the day cabs, I feel like are all I'm going used and they're all, you know, 355. Is that usually the so, rear end I, that you want? I'm going to make that operation. A, gonna, I know that uh, I'm going to make what may sound like a strange recommendation to you. 
you you don't have the truck yet or the I, truck you're looking for one right yeah i'm looking for don't, one right now don't get a day cab don't get a day cab they suck <laughs> I've been through this. This is personal experience. I did the same thing as soon as I hey, knew. Hey, my truck, bro. No, <laughs> I, as soon as I knew I had these, these runs that were back to the terminal every night and I was buying new trucks, I started buying new day cabs. My, I couldn't get the same fuel mileage out of them. The aerodynamics on a day cab are not very good. They're too short to, to create good aerodynamics mm-hmm. up front. So I, I was struggling. I lost about a half mile per gallon on a day cab compared to sure. a, uh, ideally, um, my favorite truck in these operations, ideally, was a cab over. I, when I drove in an operation like this, I almost always drove a cab over. Uh, cab over, single sleeper. Doesn't have to be a big sleeper. In fact, I used to look for small sure. sleepers. The aerodynamics are better. And honestly, it's nice to have the storage and it's nice to have a place to take a nap once in a while. Not a bad thing to have. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. It, it, having yeah, the small right sleeper is, to me, it's just all advantage. There are almost no downsides to it. Here's another big one. I don't know if you've priced used day cabs yet. They almost always cost about 10% more than a sleeper. Yeah, kind of crazy right now. Yeah. They, they're always like that. They've been like that for 30 years. They, for some, and I, it's just supply and demand. There aren't as many day cabs on the market and the people who really want a day cab, the price ends up being inflated on them. So you're getting less truck and paying more for it. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Now that you're saying that. Yeah. Find a small sleeper. Um, Yeah. I guess I'll, okay. Roger that. And then, um, but does the rears really matter with as much with the PND? I mean, obviously I'm sure not they do, much. but you know, I know, no, um, I see no, not as much. I, I, okay. I, 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 um, I, in fact, Especially it, with the multiple stop, I figured, but right, right. It, it, it's really, really difficult in a PND operation. And here's the other thing about PND operations. They change. Like you've got one that's more like a line haul than it is P&D, even though it's home every night. It's just one trip out, one trip back. Then you've got this, you, we go to the other extreme in P&D where you've got 30 stops a day. It, it's impossible to spec a truck that's right. fuel efficient all of that time. There, there's just too much going on. So one of the things we look for here, aerodynamics, now, I got to keep in mind here right now, we're specking a truck for the longer run. Although we could play around with this too. What's your current truck? It's a 2016 um, Cascadia day cab, DD 13. Uh, I think, yeah, 355 rears. I'd put that on the, um, the new P or I don't know if you said anything. Someone else was calling me, but I just, yeah, I just told you the truck. And I don't know if you said oh, anything, yeah. but no, I did. And I paused there for a second. Uh, Cause I was thinking, okay. I would take that truck and put it on the multi-stop. And then I would go buy a truck for the, the line haul type run. And that one might make more sense to, 
Yeah, do the the sleeper and the and, 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 lower and, rears, I guess. Or? Correct. Now that I'm going out to buy a truck, we can look at it and spec it better for this. So I would look at things like, you know, trucks that are spec to run in direct drive and then have an overdrive. You know, the kind of mm-hmm. specs we talk about here, 264 gears, 247 gears, things like that. Uh, and I would get good aerodynamics and, and that because this one is more like a line haul. Your current tractor is set up more for straight P&D. Yeah, which makes sense being a day cab, right? Yeah, and so, the, the, the 13 okay. liter instead of the 15. I actually, your setup right now for P&D sounds just about ideal. Yeah, I use the catalyst I'm getting. I think my last IFTA was like I reported seven point seven fantastic something like that yeah that's fantastic i mean but i yeah so yes sir but uh yeah that's pretty much all i had to ask you today and well congratulations sounds like you're building uh quite an operation here trying to get going thank you all right keep it up keep me informed love stories like that let's go to ohio herschel welcome to the program Hi, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Well, last Friday, I didn't mean to drop the bomb about that Michelin rolling resistance chart, but my piece of (laughs) shit Verizon didn't have signal in Columbus, Ohio, of all places, for crying out loud, I'm on Interstate 270 and couldn't keep power. Hey, Herschel, I want to throw this out and ask, ask people because there's no group of people that should know this better. I, I... Started doing the remote show back in, I'm going to say it was 09. I don't think it was as early as 08. I started the show in 07 on Sirius. I think it was 09 um, that I started working on the mobile version. So I got very involved and researched the, the cell signals. And, you know, we had all three at one time. I was We were running around the country with Verizon, AT&T, and uh, T-Mobile. Um, here we are 15 years later, I swear the service is worse than it was 15 years ago. Is it just me or is that really happening? Do you remember when Bruce was on Friday nights? Oh, what'd you call it back then? Trends in technology. I think it was. Yep. And Bruce was on a rant. That was his rant for the week was about the cell signals. And he was talking about all the telephone geeks on the commercials they used to run. He said, how about a little less geeks and put up some more towers? Oh, it, all them years ago. And it's still true. It's horrible. Well, I, I would say that one thing did improve. There are some really fast speeds around the country now on cellular, really fast. But I, I do not think the coverage has gotten better. I think it's gotten worse. Oh, it's terrible. When you take, you ever take Route 104 from Columbus South down to Chillicothe? Oh, it's been a while. I used to when do a, uh, a P&D route in that area. I used to do a lot of the Aldi stores, but it's been been a few years. 
Well, I live in Chillicothe, and I take that way home just to stay off of the highway on 23. It's right. so stinking busy. Right. When you go down that road, you may as well have a Campbell's soup can and a really long string and hope somebody got the other can. Because you ain't going to use your phone. It's horrible. Yeah, see, I don't get it. I, I, we, we should have a rock-solid cell phone system in this country, and I, I can't. You know what's funny? Um, I, I've talked about the, the time we went to Costa Rica for a month and we did the, we did the show. We were out, we were so far out in the damn jungle. It, it took like three hours to get to the nearest city, San Jose, the, the big, I'm pretty sure San Jose is the capital of Costa Rica. We were like three hours from San Jose. We were out in the jungle. It was an old coffee plantation and I had three choices of cell phone signals, and all of them were strong enough for me to do the show from Costa Rica. And that was over a decade ago. Well, how did we talk to John Glenn in 1962, 64? <laughs> how in the hell did we do that? And I can't call. We, Circleville, Ohio, which is 15 minutes away from Columbus, Ohio now. Because we had a really long string. <laughs> Maybe they had fiber optic back then. They was just holding it in or something. I don't know. I don't know either, but you're right. I, I, I This is one area of technology that, in my opinion, has not advanced much at all. But their pricing has advanced. Oh, yeah, of course it has. Well, I don't know. Let's think. Um, of, I, I, I'll, I'll push back a little bit on that one. When I first got my first cell phone, portable cell phone, way, way back when, this was still in the 80s. It looked like the giant army field radio, the big antenna on it. and you. But you could carry it around. I had one. It, it, yeah, it was portable. I was spending 600 a month on my cell phone service back then. Remember, everything was by the minute and you had blackouts. And then, you, it, you know, after a certain time, it was free. So you would try to wait until that time to make all your calls. So I will say that pricing, for the most part, did get better. Now it just seems like it's going up with inflation like everything else is. Um, I had no problem with well, the pricing. I, I was fine with that. Just give me service that I can use. Yeah, the, the pricing for the monthly service, yes. But the pricing for the devices, oh, seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars $1,800. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a little crazy. Oh, my God. But, but think about my it. My first that, brand new car. That phone you're carrying around is about 50 times more powerful than the first um, computer I ever had. Yes. It is, actually. It's a computer that makes a phone call, really. Speaking of which, yeah, that, that's exactly right. It's a very, very powerful computer that also makes phone calls. Um, that's really the way to look at them. And they are, you know, marvels of modern technology. The phone is not my problem. It's the damn network. Yes. So yes. one of the so topics at the I was going to Go ahead. Yeah, one of the topics I was going to talk about today, and then I realized it fits much better tomorrow and we have a full crew tomorrow. Uh, I'll just throw out a little teaser. I'm going to talk more about Nikola's um, battery electric cab over. Uh, there's a report out on it now. Jim Park did a test drive down in Orlando. Some pretty interesting stuff. You know, we're, we're 
we're really hungry for information on these things. I want to know what, what they're really like. So I got some facts out of this that I haven't seen before, but here's something interesting. Um, I use a pretty high-end expensive laptop. I mean, we're all Mac here. I, I've got a 16-inch MacBook Pro. So my screen is 16 inches. The uh, one really weird thing about this truck, and I'm not sure it's a good thing, there are the only physical switches on the dashboard, and it's a switch, not a button or a valve like we're used to. The only physical switch is a park brake, and it's a button, a, 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 not, a, not a valve. The valve is underneath somewhere. You don't even see or hear the air brake set like we're used to. Um, what well, doesn't have air? I don't know. Oh, wow. It has to for the trailer. It, but it's just a physical button that you press for the park brake. Everything else is digital. And remember, I, I work all day long on a 16-inch MacBook Pro. The digital screen in this cab over is 17 inches. Wow. I would I, never be able to drive one of I, those because I went from the old school trucks to this one, this automatic Volvo, automated manual. Okay. I still reach with my left hand to start the truck. It's not there. It's on the right side. I'm still stomping for the clutch and reaching with my right hand for the gear shifter. It's not there. I'd never make it in one of these. Well, here's the thing. I don't even think it's a matter of making it. I don't care if you're a kid who grew up, you know, with a screen in the womb like some of these kids have today. This is still not an improvement in safety physical switches will always be much safer than this digital screen stuff. There's multiple levels of menus in these things. I don't know why anybody thinks this is a good idea to put in vehicles. Have you seen the new Teslas? The state of Ohio this morning on the news, Columbus Television, was telling about changes in distractive driving law that damn Tesla car looks like it's got a freaking big screen television right on the dash. It does. Well, but that's how in the world is that less distracting? I don't not. get it. It's not. <laughs> and, and not just the size yeah. of the screen. The fact that these menus will always be multi-level. Always. And that means I have to look over. Find, and, and think about this. I can feel a physical switch. I don't have to look over. I can reach, oh, yeah. feel it, know which one it is, and use it. You can never do that with a digital screen. You can't feel anything. It's a flat screen. You have to look to find the right button. Then I have to hit that one once to get to the next menu, and then I may have to get it, hit it again to get to a third level. That is not safe. Well, how about how about these touch screens now? You touch them. And it doesn't respond. So then you're really looking at what you're doing and you're just wearing that thing out kind of like a woodpecker on the side of a tree. Like you're how right. in the hell is you're, that safe? You're, you're right. A physical switch either works or it doesn't. And then you replace the switch. But screens don't always respond. And the computer behind the screen is slow and it's not responding properly. And the screens freeze. I, I just, and I, I don't hear anybody talking about this. I, I think this is one of the most unsafe things we've done to vehicles is put these big digital screens in there. Absolutely. 
so in the beginning, you were talking about basically the state of the industry to some degree. Yes. So as you know, I do containers, intermodal, wherever you want to call it, out of Columbus, Ohio. We have two rails here. One of them CSX, the other is Norfolk Southern. When you go into these rails now, it is so empty, both of them, <laughs> that you could have a 1,000-foot trailer and practice your serpentine backing and never hit anything. Oh, man. Here about six weeks ago, I was at the CSX here. And I was driving down what they call the TTR row, which is nothing more than trackside, where they mount the containers and dismount them, put them on the train, all that. And I couldn't believe how many. They have a space where they just pile them up on the ground like they don't have enough chassis or whatever. Right. So I couldn't believe how many was there. So I counted, just because I was curious, the piles were three wide, three high, so nine per row and 40 stacks whoa there were 360 containers on the ground that was about six weeks ago so today come into the csx i didn't count them but i dare say there's not more than two dozen on the ground that is it we are parking trucks every day um i'm leased to what used to be xpo drayage they oh, yeah. sold it out to STG. Uh, STG, I think it stands for like St. George. It is so bad. They are claiming that the rate that they get, of course, we don't know what it is because we're on a flat rate contract, so they won't tell us. And even if they did, how do you believe what they told you anyway? But it's so bad that they are talking. They are going to cut our rate the next quarter, which is next week, April 1st. Um, between 2 and 10% across the board on the line haul, the city stuff, they have taken a bobtail move, like you get paid to go from CSX to container port to get a trailer. They used to pay us a bobtail, $60 plus fuel. They took that completely away. And then the other stuff around town that pay 60 is going down to 34 and 38 depending on where you're going. Hey, Herschel, I just thought, I just thought of something yes, here. I, I, I'll, throw, I'll throw this out and ask people to, to give some feedback. I, I've been thinking, I'm pretty familiar with um, CSX's operation. I did a big contract with them, a uh, year-long project. I visited almost all of their, they call them ramps. Um, I don't know why. Right, exactly, why, ramps. Why do they call them ramps? Where does that come from? The guy that is now... My terminal manager's boss worked at CSX here in Columbus. He was the terminal manager at CSX. He's now over there. And, of course, you know me. I had asked him, well, what do you know about trucking? All you know is the train. (laughs) So I asked him that, and he just kind of gave me a deer in the headlight. I said, well, you don't take the trailer and back it up a ramp to put it on the train. Why is it a ramp? Oh, that's just what they've always been called. Yeah, I've always wondered. I, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I was in. I was living in Orlando at the time, and CSX had a huge operational center in Jacksonville, uh, downtown, big office tower. 
Um, but so I started, you know, the contract there and negotiations, and then I ended up going to a lot of their ramps all around the country. And as soon as I heard that term, I'm like, why do they call this, these ramps? I don't never understood where that came from. Um, but and I, I early on in my career, I pulled some containers around Cleveland. So I had some experience with that. But, um, I, you know, I just talked about this new rail line that's going to move freight from Mexico to the U.S. and Canada and back and forth. And it's the first for that. And we talked about the car haulers and auto parts and some dry van. I have to think this is going to have a big impact on containers. It might be a positive for trucking, though, because once that container comes off the rail, it's got to get to the customer or the other way around. You may actually see an increase in some uh, container movements with trucks through that region. Well, I hope so. The, you know, last Friday you were talking about somebody asked you, how much cash should you have? Yeah, as much well, as you can gather. <laughs> as, as much as you can get. Yeah. Oh, Christine Jr. here kind of put me in a barrel for a month with that camshaft repair, but everything's been good then ever since. So I, I've been scratching and scraping and saving everything I can. I'm throwing a thousand a week into the savings account. That's awesome. I've got about 22, about 22 K at home, green money, pictures of dead presidents. Nice. And so here we are with the state of this economy. And I truly think that we are not going to see a turnaround until we get rid of sleepy Joe and the funky bunch. I think they have, killed our economy that bad and they're just because you know we're a leading economic indicator in trucking we see the good first and we see the bad first and i'm telling you it we're just done until we can change this administration and all the policy that would make an awesome name for a band <laughs> sleepy joe and, <laughs> and the funky the, bunch doesn't that sound like a great band <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I like that. Oh, I agree with man. you, though. I agree with you. We're in for a couple of rough years. Yes, we are. Very, I'm, very rough. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad I, you're prepared. I was on Craigslist, which is Craigslist is kind of like the place to find trucking jobs posted, right? I mean, you can go on the Facebook garbage. That's what I call it. And it's just all minutia. It, it's a bunch of people, their dispatch services and whatnot. And no, I'm not it's dealing a with mess. that. Yeah, it's a and mess. even on, even on Craigslist yesterday, because they parked me for two days this week, cause they don't have anything. Uh, I was aggravated. So, well, let's just see what's out there and the stuff that's there. Oh, wow. Not impressive at all. There were only two container companies in Columbus hiring one of them, oddly enough, for some kind of a drive-in deal that they're doing, which they've never done drive-in before. And one other one that I don't really know anything about that company. I've seen their trucks around, and every one of them are hoopties at best. So, well, I don't know about that outfit. Yeah. So, obviously, I'm going to stay where I'm at until it gets to the point where I have to go somewhere else. That's a good but, th Yeah, I don't know. So, it, let's talk about that concept a little bit because people are going to have to start making these decisions. And what you're going through, a lot of people are going through. If they're not yet, they will be. That is slowdowns where there just isn't work. It, so, everybody's worried about rates. Oh, well, rates are dropping. Well, that's a big factor. You better be able to make a profit with the current rates or you're in trouble. 
But the other factor is you may not have work. That's something I don't know if enough people are thinking about. And the first reaction is going to be to jump ship and go look for somebody else to lease to. Be very, very careful. We've done the numbers on this. Long before all the inflation that happened, so this number would be significantly bigger today if we went back and did this again, um, I was with ATBS for a year or so, and this was a project that we worked on um, at that time. It's, it's about a $7,000 hit on the bottom line for an owner-operator to switch carriers. Oh, yeah. Well, if nothing else, I hate to change simply because you always talk about relationships. Exactly. And right. This bunch, that, this, bunch, this bunch that I'm leased to, I mean, when I walk in there, I feel like I'm walking into my aunt's house. Or exactly. Something. I mean, that's the right. way it feels. Yep. And to go over to a strange, unknown system, then you really are the FNG, which is the freaking <laughs> new guy. And you, you get the... You get the honeymoon phase, okay? Every every trucking company does it. You of get the honeymoon right. phase of about 30 days where you get some good stuff. Then the old-timers raise cane, and then all of a sudden you don't get the good stuff because <laughs> right. you're not an FNG anymore. So yeah, I don't want to move for that reason. Plus, I'm, I'm getting old enough. I just I don't want to change and go through all that crap. Well, I, I just I'm, don't want to do it. I'm so telling, I hope like hell they figure it out. I'm telling people that's how you need to be thinking. It, let's think about this. There, there are a lot of players in the trucking industry, a lot of competition, lots of carriers, lots of brokers, lots of owner operators. One company is not going to be significantly better than any other company. We've all been through this. Oh. Most of the leases are, are within 5% of each other when it comes right down to it. So if your current carrier doesn't have enough volume, the odds are that every other carrier you're going to choose isn't going to have enough volume either. And if they have a lot of volume, it's probably because they've cut their rates so far to try to stay in business. Well, I have a theory when looking for a trucking company. This is whether you are a company driver guy, an owner-operator guy, you've got your own authority, doesn't matter. Whoever you're looking to deal with, you talk to a whole bunch of them and you get their spiel. And that's what it is. It's a sales pitch. It just is. And you get all their sales pitches and then you go home, you drink a coffee, hang out in the lazy boy and decide which one of those lies you can live with. Cause that's what they're they're Everything they tell you, 8% of it is true. And the rest of it is a sales pitch. Right. <laughs> so right. that makes it even more difficult to pick another carrier because it's like, yeah, they tell me they got Columbus to Charlotte, North Carolina every week, dropping <laughs> hook on both ends. You can turn five a week and you get there and you can't get two. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> So you, 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 I kind of know this lie and I'm living with it. So, you know, oh man. Yeah, oh, uh, I, I agree. We're, All right, Kevin, I'll let you get somebody else. And I will throw my hat in the ring for the guy Friday last week of how many guys say howdy before Paul does out loud to herself <laughs> when you hear that he's on the line. <laughs> I just did it today. <laughs> and then I got the laugh of myself. I, yep. I got to throw my hat in the ring. I'm one of them. Howdy. <laughs> I, I, I will say that 
in all the years Paul's been calling and all the times he's called, I believe he has been a hundred percent consistent. I don't, I do not remember a call where he didn't start it that way. I was listening to the very last episode before you started today of trucking 101 and it was talking about old truck, new truck, Melissa and uh, Russ. Yeah. And Paul called on that one, and sure enough, howdy, very first word. <laughs> I just love it when that guy calls. He is so much fun to listen to. I know, he is. He is. All right, good stuff. Bye, Ursula. guy. I'll talk, let you be. Talk to you soon. Hi, right, buddy. Yep. Let's go to Louisiana. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How you doing, man? Good. What can I help you with today? So I've, uh, I've heard you mention, uh, you know, several times that you're still waiting for truck prices to come down and, and now's not exactly the, the, the time to start trying to buy new equipment, but I'm kind of curious if you already got a piece of equipment, um, you know, so I guess maybe explain my situation here. So I've got an older truck. It's a 99. Um, my operation has kind of changed, uh, over the last six to eight months where I need to run into California and, uh, you know, I kind of been able to speak by, uh, so far, but. I'd like to keep my nose clean. So I'm kind of curious if I have a piece of equipment to sell in this inflated market, would it be worthwhile, you know, getting into that new, uh, newer piece of equipment that would be California compliant or should I still try to still try to wait for the market to cool off a bit more? Yeah, I would not make any big purchases right now. Not if, not if you don't have to, if we have an option, um, I would hold off. There's, there's a lot going on right now. I think a lot of things are going to change in the next six months. Okay, so even if I was to sell the truck that I've got now to get into the, the newer piece of equipment, you'd still wait? Well, why would you sell that one now? Don't you need it? Well, I do. I do need it, but I, I'm, I figure it's only a matter of time before I get uh, get in trouble trying to sneak into California. So... Um, you oh, know, I kinda, oh, I misunderstood. I so you're actually n- not in compliance right now. How many? And no. I, I have to assume California no. is a big part of your revenue. Uh, right now it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's seasonal kind of work. Um, and right now there's a lot of work in California. Um, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's that, not going to be the case for the whole year, but right now, well, I mean, all my loads, well, half of my loads are coming in, uh, out of California. Okay. So there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, I'm hearing that, you know, it's not like you've got a, a locked in contract in California, but you get quite a bit of your freight out of there. There is an option. The other option is you could just say, look, California isn't a big enough percentage. I just talked earlier this week. um, They're predicting California is going to have a problem this year, big problem with uh, produce. It's going to be way, way down because of the weather. And when that happens, all of the freight coming out of California will be impacted because those trucks that typically run produce, if there's not enough produce, they're going to find something else. So one of the ways you might approach this is maybe I get out of California and then I don't have to worry about the truck. Or you look at it and go, no, I I really do like the income in California and I think it's going to be enough. And in that case, uh, yeah, replace the truck. And and you can't wait. I mean, you can't sell yours and then sit around doing nothing. Right. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause I'm, I'm working with this, uh, with this broker and, um, you know, the, it, it kind so, of follows the season around the country. This, so, this um, might, you know, I, I, right now I'm in and out. of. This might sound like uh, a stupid way to look at it, but what is the penalty if you get caught? You know, I have kind of gotten the runaround on uh, trying to figure that out. I I called the uh, I called the highway patrol out there in California, just trying to figure out, you know, um, how all that works and what the enforcement is and everything like that. And they redirected me to the CARB, and then I tried to call the CARB. Hey, and good luck with that. They basically just have a. Yeah, they they got like they don't even answer the phone. No, it's just don't. a recorded message that gives you their email address, <laughs> and so I sent them an email and they don't I respond. sent them another email, and right. I still haven't heard it. I know no, they don't. I know they don't. I, I, so I tried yeah. dealing with Carb way back when. It is a total nightmare. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It, you know, and here's the reason I ask that question: there are businesses that flagrantly break rules and regulations on purpose and just pay the penalty. And they consider it a cost of doing right. business. And there are times when it just makes sense. It, it would sometimes it's cheaper to pay the penalty to, to continue to be able to do that work than it is to go out and buy a new truck to be compliant. That from what I remember though, what I remember, the carb penalties were way higher than what I thought they should have been. I mean, they were insane. Like you would be crazy to try to get away with it. But but I haven't heard. I mean, I haven't. I have not gotten a single call from anybody that said I just got a fine in California and it's going to put me out of business. I mean, I haven't heard anybody call and tell me they got a fine. Okay. Yeah. I mean. I that's just one of the reasons I'm kind of, I'm kind of in, in a situation where, where there's a lot of reasons that I'm, I'm looking to get into a newer piece of equipment. But right now that one, that one's probably the most pressing. Um, if I any, had a, I had a heavy anything haul. You can, right, anything you can do to extend the time before you buy a new truck would be better. A month, uh, six weeks. Okay. I, I, I think we are hitting this, the tipping point in this economy. And once that tipping point occurs, I think we're really close to it. Then you're going to see prices of everything start changing. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'll hold so, out then. So and then uh, maybe else, once prices he, start coming down further. Here's something else to think about. Because again, we're trying to predict what's going to happen here. The Fed just met yesterday and they raised interest rates again. There was some speculation that they okay. might either cut interest rates or at least not raise them because the economy is slowing down so much and we have the banking crisis. So a lot of people <clears throat> are saying, wait a minute, stop the interest rate cuts. You're going to crash this economy. But we had a little bump up in inflation again. So the Fed raised the rate again yesterday. The, the more the Fed keeps raising the rate, the more likely we are to trigger a crash. And when it happens, prices are going to tumble on everything. Okay. Okay, well, I'll hold off then, and uh, maybe once prices come down, I can give you a shout, and we can talk a bit more about what kind of equipment to look for specifically for this operation. Then. Sounds good. And if you do get caught, don't, don't call All me right, to Kevin, I bail you out of jail. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll do. All right, thanks. All right, All right. let's uh Bye. let's go to Missouri this time. Voitech, welcome to the program. Hey Kevin. Um I got a story to this last caller about California and carb. Okay. I you know, I unfortunately live in California and um till about two and a half years ago um I had a ninety nine Volvo and I was driving in California because I live there and uh, I had a steady run on I-5 to Washington past the scale in Reading. No problem. And I, it was, everything was oversized. So I'm like, okay, they're not going to pull me in. I can barely fit in the door. <laughs> right. Uh, so, well, one day they do pull me in. I'm like, what the hell? I'm here every other day. They, these guys know me. They right. know I have annual permits and all that. Right. As soon as I pour, pull around the building, I see the white van of death. Uh-oh. I'm like, oh, I know what's Uh-oh. going on. Oh, no. Yeah. So, so I, I get pulled in, and this old, old guy, in a carb inspector that I've seen at a scale in Sacramento before, so I knew who he was, and he's like the only inspector for that whole Northern California region. You gotta be so kidding he me! He pulls me in. No, no. Oh. Uh, he pulls me into the bank. The CHP officer comes out, and the carb guy comes out, and he says, "You know, I'm with carb. Uh, we're doing a, a, a compliance inspection. Open your hood. Blah blah blah." I'm like, okay. I open the hood, give him my paperwork. He's like. Um, you know, he basically starts telling me that I'm not in compliance. I shouldn't be driving this truck without a DTF. I said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like, well, uh, well, I see here in the system you're registered. Uh, I'm like, I'm registered? No, I don't think I'm registered. Uh, he, he pulled up my previous truck, which was a 2006. I said, yeah, I don't have that truck anymore, uh, so I don't know what to tell you. He's like, well, this is not in compliance. Um, you know, you, I'm, I'm giving you citations. He took pictures of the engine, of the, the, the serial number, my authority and all that. And he directs me to pull out of the bay. No, no CHP inspection, just car. Okay. And tell me, okay, come back to my van. For the paperwork, I'm like, okay. And the CHP officer is right next to him, basically bodyguarding him. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he says, well, here's, here's your citation. I said, I, I, I'm not signing that. He's like, sign it. I'm, like, I'm not signing that. I'm like, what do you mean you're not signing that? I'm like, I'm sorry, I just don't recognize your authority. Give me any kind of a citation. <laughs> the CHP guy, the CHP guy, Gave me his inspection report, which was just clean, no, no, nothing. Right. And that carb guy got so pissed off because I wouldn't sign it. He's like, "I'm going to put this on the back of your trailer here." I'm like, "Well, if you're going to pull that, you're going to be cited for littering because I'm not picking that paper off the ground." And the CHP officer here is going to give me citation for littering. Oh. He was human. So what I happened? Turned, I turned to the CHP guy. I said, 
I said, officer, are we done here? Yeah, you, I, I, we're, we're done. I'm like, have a great day. And I walked away and I, I took that paper and I put it, threw it in, into the back of his van, to the side of his, you know, little inspection cargo van. Yeah. And said, have a good, have a great day, sir. What? I was expecting to get something in the letter. Right. A letter in the mail from CARB. It's been, it's been two and a half years. I haven't gotten a single thing from them. No way. Are you telling the truth on this story? I don't know. Is this a truck driver's story I, or is this for real? Way to God. So this for is, real. I still have that truck. I no longer I no longer drive it because they they carb and the DMV got together finally after like ten plus years of scaring everyone that they will not be able to register their non compliant trucks in California. They finally got a way so, to eliminate those registrations. I had to prove that I had the, the filter on, which at that point I couldn't, so I said, screw it. And I picked up a 2010, which the 2010 that I'm in right now, apparently is no longer going to be in compliance correct. beginning this year. Right. right. So I spent money on this compliant truck, and now it's only good for two years now. I've had it for two years. Yeah. yeah, that's California nonsense. But yeah. it's okay. Oh, it's okay because I'm just going to tell California, no thank you. Um, well, let, let, since we're talking about California and regulations, guess what the latest from the Biden administration is? Here's, here. uh, he found his underpants. Well, that too. Um, but oh. yeah. <laughs> so here's the headline. California to be allowed to set their own emissions regulations for trucks. They don't have to comply. Wow. Not, not that they comply with federal now, but the Biden administration just extended that and said, set whatever rules you want in California. So basically what they're doing, um, California is outlawing um, internal combustion engines and trucks quickly. I mean, they're going to force electric trucks in California, um, I believe, by 2045. That's quick. I mean, people might go, oh, well, that's a long time away. No, it's really not. Not to, I mean, imagine a California with nothing but electric trucks. How do you do that? How do you get enough freight in and out of California? It's one thing to buy an electric truck if you only drive in California. But what about all the trucks moving in and out of California? Right. So, but it sounds to me like based on your wonder, story, and this is first person, you're not telling me about some friend who heard something at a truck stop. This is you. You experienced no. this. For the last caller, that would make up my mind. I'd just keep running that truck. You know how many trucks I see that are obviously non-compliant in California and I don't pay attention to where they're plated out of, but most likely they're not plated in California because the DMV funds the, you know, so, they, they, they got their systems connected now, but. How do they hand, how do they handle registration? There must be some special registration for agriculture trucks because they're exempt from this, aren't they? Uh, that's what I've heard, but which makes no sense because if you have, if you're an agricultural 
Ocho truck in California. You spend all of your time I, in California I've polluting the air I instead know. of a guy that comes I, in once a month. I've said that for years, that what a stupid law. They exempted the trucks that pollute the most within their state, and they try to enforce it on trucks that may be there, like you said, once a month. Yeah, so I, I, nothing makes sense, logical sense in California. So don't ask me for any kind of explanation. But if I was that guy, I would definitely not sell his 99. I keep it. I uh, agree. And yeah. I agree. And yeah. find some. There's there's money to be made in other, you know. So, you know, I'm, it, I'm moving out of California as soon as I possibly can. It, it would be one thing if if the story was you crossed that scale, you know, every other day for a year or every week for a year, however many times you crossed it, never got caught. But you actually got inspected by CARB and nothing happened. Yeah. Because I didn't sign that paperwork. If you well, sign wait, something, but, but, I'm no attorney. This is so, not legal advice. If you sign something, you're agreeing to the well, fact but, that you are in the wrong. I said, hey, I'm not signing anything. You want to mail me a birthday card or a citation? Go ahead. Yeah, so the way I, and I'm not an attorney either, and I try to stay as far away from this kind of stuff as I can, but I've watched enough episodes of Cops and OP Live to know that just because you don't sign the ticket, the traffic ticket on the side of the road, doesn't mean you're not getting a ticket. You still get it. People refuse to sign tickets on the side of the road all the time. Lots of people do. No, I'm not signing that. They do it all the time. It doesn't matter. You're still getting that ticket. You're still going to court. You're, the process is the same whether you sign it or not. Right. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I've gotten it, citations for different things at a scale in Colorado, and I got a letter. Hey, uh, your court date fell on a court it, holiday, so your, <laughs> your, your citation is dismissed. So... What I mean, a, strange things yeah. can happen, I suppose, but... What a screwy system. Or it could just be that CARB just doesn't have any real teeth and they don't even follow up on this stuff. I think that's more likely the case. But again, it's just anecdotal example of what happened to me when I did get pulled into the scale uh, with the CARB inspector there. So, And I kept, after that, I kept driving in California for probably five months or so till my registration ran out. Maybe that's why they didn't go after me because they saw that my registration was maybe you know, up and I wouldn't but, be able to re-register the truck. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, it just, uh, it, it seems like, uh, just like everything else the government does. They think about all the money California spent creating CARB. And CARB has, CARB, you know, is responsible for every industry in California, not just trucking. CARB is not just a trucking thing. Yeah, it's it's everything that could affect the air quality within the state of California. But they spent an awful lot of money on CARB, and then it turns out they don't even bother to do their job. Well, I don't know if you remember when all this, all of this uh, diesel regulation was coming down in early 2000s. They, um, the car, 
the board, it's a board, they have board members. One of their primary members, I don't remember the guy's name, that came up with this uh, framework for the regulation of diesel oh, trucks. Right. Uh, claimed he, he had a PhD that turned <laughs> right. out to be fake and he lied about the data. <laughs> exactly. At the time the board was voting to pass this regulation, they were fully aware of the fact that he fudged the numbers and his yes. PhD was fake. Yep. They still voted. It was, it was, it's all about money. It's all about money. It's been about money since the beginning. Yep. Money and control. That That's all it is. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right, well, that's all I had. All right, good stuff. Good story. I like first-person stories like that. Let's go to Missouri. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah, good morning, Kevin. Um, hey, I, I have a – so that, that CARB, if they're allowing agriculture in California to, to be exempt – so when I worked for Old Dominion Freightline in Portland, Oregon – they haul just enough. I don't know what the rules are in California, but I'm sort of curious. They haul just enough, um, and they, you know they're LTL, so they haul just enough agricultural stuff, mostly. And it was just a little bit. I don't even know what percentage it was. They claim, but because I was only on the dock back then, that um, they fit into the agricultural. Um, uh, uh, setting or whatever, so so they didn't even have to pay us overtime on the dock until I believe I, it was after seventy hours or after eighty. I mean, when they were working us twelve, fourteen hours a day, um, and so they they didn't even pay us overtime until I think I think it was probably seventy after seventy hours a, day, a week. So um, uh, th- that's interesting. If the, if California has a loophole like that for agriculture. Um, and, and being carb compliant. Well, I, um, I, I thought I remembered reading that way back. I remember that because I, I immediately thought this isn't about air quality. If this were truly about air quality, you wouldn't exempt the trucks that pollute your state the most. It, it doesn't even make sense. They're they're just blowing black smoke. No, I know, no doubt. Right. And then when I went through there, you know, this last trip, this time of year, there's not a lot going on um, agriculture wise. But I've been through there during the harvest seasons. And you look at those single axle day cabs running around with the weird yeah. agriculture trailers, the weird hopper bottom, all kinds of crazy stuff. You a hundred percent of those trucks, when I see them, I know they're not compliant. They're all nineties area trucks, right? They're, they're all old equipment. Yeah. And then what about all the truck? Now what's the rule on the trucks from Mexico? Because they're, 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 the Mexican trucks are coming across the border. Do they have a certain, I wonder, do they have a certain distance they can travel into California? If they did, um, but I see if those they did, why everywhere. would it matter? It doesn't sound like anybody's enforcing anything. No, and I saw an old boy. He, he, it was a old, um, like forties truck that he had fixed up really nice, and you could, and you could have because he was smoking up these hills. I don't know what he had in the thing, yeah. but it was like a forties or early fifties uh, um, twin screw, and uh, man, he. 
you can just tell he he didn't give a shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can just <laughs> either pull me over for for this. No, 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 you're not. Right. I'm just I'm just not gonna pay it type guy. Um, which is funny. Well, um, and, and here's and, and here's the other the, thing we we know about this. All you have to do is drive through California. I just did. You know, I went up and down I-5 from the Oregon border to southern L.A. and back up. Anybody that understands trucks can pick the non-compliant trucks pretty accurately. It's not that hard to do. And there are a lot of them. And yet we never hear about anybody getting tickets or paying fine. Every now and then I'll hear about a, a... a company being fined by car, but it's pretty rare. Right. It's always the company. It's never really the individual, is it? I haven't really heard. I've never had a single call. And when I do get you a call, somebody it's somebody, call now. when I do get a call, it's somebody that got busted, balled up the paperwork, threw it back at him and said, had a, have a nice day. And nothing came I, of it. I lost reception. What what happened? With, so they never even contacted him. So no, it it, it uh, he ran that truck for five or six more months um, and never got a letter from anybody about any of it. Wow, wow, hilarious. Well, I guess I'm not signing it. You know, if, I, <laughs> yeah. if they get me for idling, for, if, if if they get me for idling or something, because I've yeah. seen them. I've seen him walk around the truck stop one time, yeah. um, you know, yeah. some young girl, which which I'm sure she's quit by now. Yeah, you know I'm what sure. I mean? There's just no yeah, doubt right. that she has. Right. <laughs> she had a clipboard and and, uh, and, uh, and that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I get, thought, oh, this isn't going to end. Yeah. This isn't going to end well. She's no. either buried in the de- in the desert there, <laughs> or uh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she got smart and quit. Um, and okay. Oh, well, that'll you know, might not have been her uh, choice. Yeah. Um, and on the economy, um, yeah, thank God they at least raised the um, interest rate 25%, you know, a uh, quarter percent. Um, but, they, but, <laughs> but now, because they're bailing out the banks, they're, they're, how are they doing that? By printing more money. So they've got themselves in a complete uh, vicious cycle. And this is not going to end. And besides now, um, Saudi Arabia is taking the one new, uh, I think it's the one, um, as payment for their oil. Um, I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember, but about probably four years ago, I called in, um, no, yeah, about four years with the, with the liberals and everything. And I asked you, and then when Biden got elected, I said, is if you wanted to, I was trying to figure out what the hell they're they're up to. I said, if you wanted to ruin the country, would you do it any differently than they're doing it now? No, you know you, what I mean. If so you wanted that's to what, destroy our country, you would do everything this administration is doing. Just exactly the same, right? And so uh, you want to talk about you know uh, people don't realize you know oh eight and how uh, a big I heard on the radio uh, yesterday how big of a fit we were having with that uh, bailout for the banks in 08. Well, just since that Silicon Valley bank has uh, crapped out, we've printed half as much money as we, we did in 08 to bail out the banks up in just so, a couple weeks. You know well, what let, I mean? Let, let's think about that, too, because if we go back to 08, what was their line? The famous line, they repeated it over and over and over. 
Four words. Too big to fail. Yes. Too big to fail. I, well, yeah. SVB is not right. big enough to worry about. They're a peon. No. They didn't even they, hear about it. Never, it, never, heard, of, never no, heard about them. The only people that would notice are all the people in Silicon Valley, all the big high-tech companies. It's so let them fail. I, I, I yeah, hated the know. too big to fail. They're not too big to fail. Let them fail. I don't care how damn big they are. Maybe that's the problem. No. Maybe they're too big. That is the problem. Right. So they should have never done it with yeah. those banks. But at, at least they made some sort of an argument. What's the argument for bailing out SVB? There's none. Yeah. No, well, no, well, that's where all their donations come from, or uh, a lot of them, well, anyway, from be, yeah. those people. That's the, that's what, that's what, that's what that's all about. And 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 China had a shitload of money in that bank too, as it turns out. Yeah. You know, and and Biden, you know, they got him by the short hairs. I don't, God only knows what they have on him that we don't know about. We're finding out more and more. You know, uh, between and talk about compromise. Um, it's a, uh, unbe unbelievable that that nobody. I mean that the mainstream media won't really report on it. You know, you only the only thing that you hear about the Bidens is through Fox News. Um, but I'll flip over to uh, uh, CNN, MSNBC because I want to hear what they're talking about. And you know, they're all wrapped up into the uh, Trump getting uh, um, uh, prosecuted. And I God, I hope they. Well, oh, I hope they arrest him. My God, I hope they arrest him. That that is talk the, about the, the, you know people rallying about him. Joke. Some peon DA from a, a New York borough is going to prosecute a former president on a, a no pun intended trumped up charge that isn't even a crime, <laughs> and then he's going to try to make it. A, a, a crime and then make it a felony, not a misdemeanor. And it, we're past the statute of limitations. And, statute of limitations. And, Four and years past. And yeah. it's a president. And in this country, we have never, ever criminally charged a former president for anything. Clearly, if the guy goes out and, it, it, and really you know, really commits a crime, of course he should be charged. But this is such a yeah. joke. I, 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 That's the same thing Clinton did, and Clinton, and Clinton, and Clinton got reelected with the 68% uh, uh, yeah. approval rating or yeah. whatever. Exactly, exactly big, you know, except he didn't pay her off, it, you know? Right, right. I mean, geez, Louise, and, and, he and lied that, about it in front of Congress. That, and that was committed while he was a sitting president. We have to remember this happened right. during prior to the campaign and he's not president anymore. It's insane that he's even trying to bring these charges. These people are so they're like rabid dogs. They are they are so um, and, and they're so well, they're just afraid, afraid of him is what it is. And just to remind people, I'm not a fan of Trump. Not at all. And, and Me neither. I, I'm seeing, I mean, I'm seeing I behavior from him right now that reminds me of why I don't like him. His, his childish, immature attacks on DeSantis. Come on. It's, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, 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 and that's the guy that he wants to have as vice president, because even though he's been a governor and a senator or, a, or, or a, a, a congressman, whatever he was before, I don't even know. 
never heard of him before um, he was uh, governor of, uh, of uh, Florida. Well, here's another thing. But he to wants know. to have him as a vice president. Here's another thing to know about Trump. Just understand his personality. Trump will never pick a strong vice president. There's no way he'd pick DeSantis. Not in a million years. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I hope you're wrong. Because, I don't think I am. I think his, be, he's, he's got too it, big of an ego to ever pick a strong vice president. Well, he, you know, he needs to pick him because when Trump got in office, you know what, you know, they came after him and then, and then uh, Trump didn't know the ropes, you know, he knew the ropes, uh, you know, in business in New York, but this is a total different animal in Washington, DC. You know, Pence is a very nice guy, solid human being, no doubt about it. He was not. I don't know about all that. I just said, he's just, He's just a nice guy, right. he, you know he, what I mean? He, right. But I don't, I'm, I, but that's the same guy that ends up, and I'm not saying he did this, but that's always the, it's always the uh, Bible, Bible banger that, oh my God, he's the greatest neighbor, greatest guy in the whole world, you know what I mean? And then before you know it, uh, well, he, well, yeah, he's in playing with the little boys down the street. You I, know what I mean? It's, that's possible. But I, even set all that I, aside, Pence was never going to set the world on fire with anything. It, and that's no, exactly what point. Trump wanted. Trump is not going, yeah, you, you know, we point. look at all the possibilities. If we match Trump with DeSantis, people are drooling over it. What about Trump with Christy Nome? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. What about, you know, all these strong Republican governors we have right now um, or Vivek Ramaswamy? But why wouldn't Trump pick him? Yeah, that would be another good choice. Wildly impressive. Trump will never pick one of those. I hope I'm wrong. Well, but, if, I, if, but I'm not. Yeah. Well, if your theory, if your theory is right, he'll pick Kamala Harris. <laughs> no, he'll he'll pick somebody <laughs> solid, but boring. He'll pick another Pence, somebody we probably don't even know about yet, not even thinking about yet. They'll be solid. They won't have a lot of controversy behind them, but they will not be very impressive. Yeah, that's that's probably true. So back to the economy, though, I think this is going to be devastating, just devastating. My brother disagrees with me because he still thinks that there's no place, nowhere else to put, you know, foreign money is still trust the the dollar, even though our inflation's went up and whatnot. But um, he, uh, I just think this 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 next uh, like like the guy said earlier, they called until we get this administration out of here, um, this is going to get worse and worse. This, it, I mean, they haven't slowed down at all at spending money. No, and, they, and and they're not slowing down on regulations that will crash our economy either. No, no. And then, you know, I, that, so we're in for a, a, a real bumpy ride. Yes, we are. I, 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 I can't see any way around that at this point. No, you know, um, and one thought now, um, my, my, my brother does have, um, a, a real big lobbyist there in Texas. And then he apparently just got, and I don't know how many people thought I was supposed to share this or not. Um, but, uh, the port of Brownsville there, um, they're going to dredge that and make it a deep water port. 
I don't know if that was because when COVID come around, all the ships that were sitting off the coast, yeah. you know, and all that. And there's, I mean, even a poor, even Portland did, won't dredge there, so that's why all the ships go up to Seattle. So, um, and and California being the way it is, I think what you're and you're talking about California having all electric uh, trucks and in in the, in the future, not that far. Like you see, it's really not that far away. Um, what California will end up probably do, or the smart people will end up doing, um, who is the guy that you had at the last CMC, the Canadian guy, uh, that you could have with? I'm sorry, you broke up. Uh, Say that the, again. The, the Canadian guy that you had at the last CMC that you had, you could have the one-on-ones with oh, that had the trucking oh, company Chuck up in. Snow, the CEO of, um, yeah, Chuck Snow. Traffics. Yeah. Yeah. Tra- oh, traffic. Right. Yeah. Uh, what a great guy he was. Oh yeah. And he is. Uh, he's the he's the one that sort of uh, uh, planted this idea in my head, and and it was specifically for Las Vegas about getting like a transfer station, or, uh, cold storage, or whatever whatever it was, because a lot of people run into Vegas. They don't like they live they live there, and they don't necessarily until they run back and forth to California. You know, because you can do it in one day. Um, and, and so, uh, right outside the California on the borders there in that desert land, um, what will happen is the electric t- trucks will run into it like transfer stations, you know, outside of, uh, what, what is, uh, 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 uh I-15 going uh, north there, um, the, that, that borders that town or whatever it is, um, uh, Gene is, is not Gene. Um, in in uh, so every every basically the 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 border of California on the major interstates will have transfer stations because that's you know the, the electric yeah. trucks won't be able to go much further than that anyway. Well, you know, I I've so I, I think talked about this in the past, and you know, people have a hard time believing. But when I was growing up, Pennsylvania did not allow double trailers and all the LTL companies ran double trailers. So, and I lived right there in Northeast Ohio. So I was only an hour from the Pennsylvania border. So uh, it was the, the way the, all the LTL companies did it. They had those drop lots right there and the driver would pull in, drop his dolly in his rear trailer and he'd head across Pennsylvania with a pup and they'd have to send another truck out to get the trailer or the, the first trailer. The first guy might take the dolly with him or they may leave him there in the yard. But then they have to send another truck to take the other pup across Pennsylvania. That went on for decades. For a long time. Yeah, it worked out well, didn't it? a long way across Pennsylvania. I mean, if that trailer was yeah, going was, to the uh, East Coast, that's a long way across. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, uh, we sort of have to adapt to whatever you know. There's no, uh, there's no real change in um, what they're gonna do right away because our uh, the, the votes aren't gonna uh, change in California. Um, they're not gonna quit cheating at the ballot box anytime no. soon. 
So if we could at least get them out of office one way or by, we're just going to, have to flood them with votes, you know, and and, um, and people to watch the the um, the elections. But um, we sort of have to. We're going to sort of have to adapt to their rules, unfortunately, unless we want to run, you know, trucks and and, and uh, that, that aren't legal in California and just throw the ticket back at the carb guy. But that's not going to last. Maybe much longer maybe what we should do is we should take california and we should take oregon and washington and go to cover i-5 and give california that strip of washington and oregon and then the other part of washington and oregon can join idaho i i think that would work better and then, uh, and then let's I, make that, know, I, let's make the I five corridor its own country. I, I I love I love the idea in theory, you know. But then I was listening to the um, uh, the books, the uh, the Federalist Papers, um, and I don't know this is like twenty four hours long, and I forget which one it was, Federalist twenty two. But Hamilton goes ahead and addresses that, and it, it's just simply not practical. This is what makes the United States so strong is that we have, you know, we're basically a continent, you know? Well, I, um, I, I uh, love states' but, rights. All I'm doing here is is advancing that idea of states' rights and creating groups of states that make more sense politically. Now that we know it, that I-5 no, corridor, that's a huge freight corridor. Why screw that whole thing up yeah. with by allowing California to to mandate all the regulations? If they're going to do that, well, well, then look, just look, make the I five corridor its own damn country or state. I well, guess look, I'm joking because when I say then make it, it a country, but no, make it its I, own state. Uh, no, right? No, yeah. Which I, I would I would I would like that to. Um, uh, it just when it comes to defense and then tariffs, and then they get jealous, and and plus they'd grow all the food between between Mexico and the um, inland valley of California. Um, you know, uh, they have a lot of resources. No but, doubt, uh, no uh, doubt. With all those resources, they should be in far better shape. They've been so poorly governed; they've just destroyed the state. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable, you know, and I, like I say, because I was born there, and you know, we had a cabin up in Crestline, California, which just hit, got hit by an unprecedented yeah. amount of snow. Yeah, it did. and um, you know, the pl- the pl- you know, I don't know how many people I haven't looked it up, and the only information I could get was on Twitter. Really, um, it wasn't a, a national story, but the last I heard, it was probably ten days ago. Ago or so, uh, they had eight or nine old people that had died in in uh, in their homes, and uh, guys were complaining that the uh, snow plows. I think they were using the um, the, uh, the 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 uh, the the um, the front end loaders. The, uh, well, they didn't have chains for the for the uh, the. the, the the dumps the, to clear the snow. Oh, yeah. And, the, you know, so they're waiting on China to ship them over. <laughs> and just, since, you know, <laughs> I'm all like, man, if you can't, if you if you don't have a guy that's smart enough to be able to make some oh, chains, man. you know, really? um, go down to Home Depot and buy some damn chain, you know. Yeah. Um, I had, ju- it just, I, it, that's the whole state's like that. I have experience with this. I had to fabricate some chains myself one time to get to Lake Tahoe. 
They, it was May. Who was expecting? Lake Tahoe? Yeah. Who was expecting a big snowstorm in May? I was in Sacramento hanging out, waiting, waiting for him to work on our coach. And we decided to go to Tahoe for the weekend because the coach wasn't done yet. So we had the smart car. So we start heading up to Tahoe All right. and they got slammed with a snowstorm and on Donner. So we're stuck. The road's closed and you've got to have chains to get through. Nobody has chains right. for a smart car. It's such an odd. Right. I, no, I, no. I had to. And here's the other thing I didn't realize. The first place I walked into to get chains before they'll do anything. There's no chains out. Everything's behind the counter. They ask you what kind of vehicle you have. And I didn't want to tell them. I'm like, just give me. No, because you're embarrassed. You're right. like, just, well, no, I know. They, I know right. they don't have it. So. I wouldn't tell him what kind of car he had. I just, I just want to buy some chains. What's the smallest size you have? I want to buy them. No, we can't sell them to you. Right. I'm like, what do we, what do you mean you can't sell them to me? You have (laughs) chains. I have money. What what else do we need here? It's a California regulation. It's a California regulation. They they can't sell them to you because they they have to have you sign the the, uh, release slip that uh, you have the car to fit those chains. So then what I did is I started calling other places at an exit backwards because I had to go back now. I had to go west. So I started calling and I, I would ask when they answered the phone, what's the smallest size chain you carry? And a lot of people wouldn't tell me. And I finally got somebody to give me a number. Here's the small. So then I went out and right. looked up what kind of car does that chain fit? And I called him and said, oh, wow. I, I, I right. w- walked into the next place. I said, hey, I have this kind of car. Do you have chains? Yep, we've got them. They're still way too big. There you go. So I had to get Dude. out, you know, some tools and some parts and start modifying and we made some chains and we got over the pass. And they worked. They worked just fine. Didn't tear anything up. Oh, geez. I, I hope you still have them. I mean, I would have kept those just for uh, shits and giggles, you know? I didn't keep them. I, I don't even have the smart car anymore, but it's right here in town. I see it every day. I sold it to a friend of mine. Oh, well, he, he could probably use them. Um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's just, crazy I, I guess the moral of the story is just uh save cash even though you know you're losing uh five percent so, a year on it so far, up to now yeah so speaking of since you called to talk about the state of the trucking economy um i don't get to say this very often but i have breaking news i want to hear it okay so are you familiar with craig fuller uh, the name rings a bell. Yeah, Craig's the son of the founder of U.S. <clears throat> Express. So grew up in the industry. Craig is also the founder and CEO of um, uh, Freight Waves. So awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, Craig started Freight Waves um, really to as a company to gather data about trucking. He's like a numbers geek in the whole point of freight waves is they they monitor every economic indicator in trucking Um, really good information i actually i started to write for freight waves in the very beginning i was going to write a column for small carriers and owner operators i wrote one and then what happened was right after i we you know negotiated the contract and i wrote one article um that was right when Sirius offered me that the daytime slot 
And I looked right. at my schedule and everything that was going on. And I, I hate writing anyway. They kind of talked me into it. And, and I said, look, with, with this new show, three hours, five days a week in the morning, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to write. So um, I dropped out. Oh, man, I, right? I wish I could have stayed with them. Um, I thought about going back now. I just, writing is just... Well, if they had, if so they had AI back then, yeah, it would have might, might been easy. might have helped. Uh, so here, uh, Craig just wrote a really good article this morning. Here's the thing. I haven't read it yet. I just saw it and I was kind of scrolling through it as you were talking. Uh, so I'm going to read this live. I haven't even been through it once, but what I read looks pretty interesting to me. So, quote, the freight market is teetering on a pretty big development. Tender volumes in the truckload market are on the verge of crossing below 2019 levels. There has been zero sign of any firming in the market as we head into the start of the spring shipping season. It goes on. Tender rejections continue to bounce along the all-time bottom as carriers take almost any load offered. It continues. Spot wow. rates are abysmal to truckload carriers. Carriers are likely losing money on a good portion of loads they haul in the spot market. I'm going to stop right there for a second. In my mind, yeah. that is almost impossible. I mean, when you do the math and you look at what it costs to operate a truck reasonably by the mile, even now driver's wages have become a huge factor in this. This is why... I, I am going to say that it is really rare to actually lose money on a truckload. It's really rare, but it's becoming less rare, mostly because of all those driver wages that got raised over the last couple of years. How many times do you remember me saying carriers are going to be in trouble and there's nothing they can do about it. They have to raise these driver wages. There's no way around it. But when it crashes, they're going to be in trouble. And here it is. It's happening well, right now. It, well, that's what, okay. And so, and, so and I got to go back that, because I'm not done um, with this article yet, but go ahead, comment on that. Oh, yes, please. Okay. Okay. Well, when you said that, um, I, I, because I was with the, I've been with this company like four years or something like that. And um, uh, was they were really small when we first started, and they gave me a like a. Uh, now I'm at fifty six cents, but I never asked them for a raise, and they gave me two cents here and then four cents. And when they, they gave to. it to me, I said, you know, I didn't ask for this. I, you know, I didn't ask for this, but you're never taking it away. Uh, away from me just know know that it's never going to go back right. down and, and so um, now and, we just heard though this is how bad things are getting i hope people are paying attention things are happening right now that's why i'm saying i think we're approaching the tipping point we just heard from herschel his carrier cut their contract that's almost unheard of in this industry cut cut it cut it they took money away but you have to Oh, oh yeah, no, no, that doesn't that doesn't work either, does it? No, that's almost and, and, unheard and, of. That's what I'm saying. That's happening. We're now talking about carriers losing money on a move. Let's just do some quick math off the top of our head. 
it, it's, it's not out of the question right now to have a 50 cent per mile fuel cost, even with fuel as high as it is. 60 cents, you know. All right. So let's call it 50. Um, maintenance costs have gone up. I'm going to say the average now might be 20 cents a mile. It used to be under 20. 10. Yeah. I'd I'm going to say, say 20. about 20 cents. Yeah. So we're at 70 cents a mile. We've, we've already covered our two biggest costs. Now you have the cost of equipment. And then, that's always a little tough to predict. No, driver. So you haven't put driver in there yet. No, you haven't I know. put driver in there I know. yet. I know. So let's put the driver in. So what do we want to say for average driver pay 60, per mile right now? 60, let's, let's do six. Probably, probably 60 cents. So yeah. if we put our three big costs in here. We're up to 50, 20, 70, a buck 30. So buck 30. if you're getting a What's dollar, it's still above a dollar 50 a mile. So if we get to the point that carriers are actually losing money on a move, that's that's bad. It's bad that we're even talking about it being a possibility. Let me continue because I don't know what's still coming. I haven't read this far in the article. Yeah, yet. continue. Yeah, yeah. Please, um, I have a couple things. So, and and uh, by the way, by the way, this this isn't really an article. It's a Twitter post. It's just, it's a big oh, long okay. Twitter post. If anybody wants to go see it, he's got the charts and everything. Um, moving on. Quote: The spread between contract and spot is near all time highs. Not a good thing for long-term pricing power. That's a really bad sign for us. Shippers are going to use this against truckload carriers in their bids this RFP season. Continuing, the trucking bloodbath that we predicted a year ago had a slow start, but is picking up steam. Trucking has been in a recession since last spring, but truckers had strong balance sheets from COVID. No longer. 544 trucks out of work. What? 200 trucking employees out of work two weeks ago. One of the worst freight recessions in my career. Uh, wow. S SVP with decades of experience says in the fair weather, farewell video. Oh, that was, that was written really weird there. Um, Let's see what else. This continues. LTL provider with 46 trucks and 50 years of experience. Shutters. The doors. Close the doors. Um, I don't. A AMST, some Michigan company. Uh, Mulder and Sons. Mulder and Sons out of Holland, wow. Michigan. Um, let's see what's the. This continues. Um, Wells Fargo seeks to force shuttered UFI into bankruptcy. That's United Furniture, another big carrier. Um, 213 truck drivers out of work there. Um, USPS trucking contractor, I think I reported on this one. Matheson files for bankruptcy. Um, Vermont-based LTL carrier Land Air reportedly... What? When did I miss this one? Land Air... This was 2022. I don't remember Land Air going out of business. No, I could have swore I could just saw, saw their trucks not too long ago. The 54-year-old trucking company, um, Northeast Freightways, doing business as Land Air, had 135 drivers, 148 power units. They went out of business. I missed that one. 
I don't remember that one oh, at all. Um, here's another one. 115 truck carrier shutters. Uh, Illinois company filed for bankruptcy. Um, that one, they claim it was a $10 million jury award that put them out of business. Uh, livestock hauler with 87 drivers out of business. Um, now it, it goes on. It's a really good Twitter post, but that is uh, none of that is good oh. news. No, I want to. I want to read that. So, what is the average spot load? Uh, to uh, that's another thing too. Is that Brett Hutto? I haven't heard from him in a long time. Uh, are Are you considering getting him back on? So, Brett and I still talk. Brett and I are friends. We've been friends for a long time. Um, Brent's in a tough position over there. The company was pretty well taken over by big tech. Um, still, oh. a, still a great company. Um, but Bill Gates was one of the investors in that buyout. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, at least he's, at least he's high on the hog then. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know? yeah, they're, they're flush yeah. with money. Um, so the interesting thing is we've been talking, we've been talking about, you know, lots of stuff, just like we have for years. Um, I actually got a text from him. I have to respond to it today. Um, their chief marketing officer wanted to meet with me in Louisville just to talk, just to, uh, nothing definite, just to and talk and start the conversation again. Um, I, I'm a little gun shy. I'll, I'll admit I, I, I may cut a deal, but uh, the deal's going to be heavily weighted in my favor if we're going to do it. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's good too. Um, uh, about for, so, what's the average spot rate? Uh, you know, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna guess right now. For a while, I was you know I was pretty focused on this number and knew it. I've been busy on so many other things. I'm gonna say we're still in the dollar seventy range. I think that's why I have a hard time believing about seventy. Okay. That they, now I guess if the average is in that range, dollar sixty, dollar seventy, you could start seeing a lot of loads at a buck twenty or a buck thirty, and a carrier could lose money on those. Yeah, and and I have a, a little word of advice because w when I came back to this company in uh, January, I took some time off. Um, uh, Eighty-five percent, probably, of my loads have been uh, hazmat. Don't have for the drivers listening. If you don't have your hazmat, it's easy enough to get, yes. and uh, I highly recommend it. Go get it. Good point. It's like having multiple yeah. trailers. Yeah. You know. We well, are heading into a tough time. There's no doubt about it. I think we are reaching the tipping point. This article is is kind of shocking to me, actually. Um, but this is the guy that has his finger on all the numbers, um, and he, he's he's got all the numbers in front of him, and he wrote this Twitter post as I, I believe as a warning. It, things are bad, maybe even worse than what we thought when you start looking at all of this stuff. Here's, here's what I hope people realize. The last several years, and, and I could go back more than three, I could go back a long way and say almost everybody succeeded as an owner-operator. We've been in an environment where you could make every mistake you wanted and still survive and pay the bills and get by and make it as an owner-operator. You didn't have to do any of the stuff we talk about. 
You didn't have to know your numbers. You didn't have to build good relationships. You didn't have to understand freight rates and lanes. You didn't have to. Didn't have to pay your taxes. Exactly. You're (laughs) right. That's another good point. Hell, you don't even have to pay your taxes if you don't want. And you were surviving. Right. We collect. And and you were bragging at the liar's counter about your big, shiny 379. um, Those days are over. All of that stuff now will be the difference between staying in business and going out of business. That's a hundred a hundred percent right, a hundred percent right. Because this is, you know, this isn't the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. No, um, the, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but the, the phrase, I, I don't see how I am. We're heading into an area where the phrase "if you can't run with the big dogs, you better just stay on the porch" applies. Right. And I'm not no, talking about exactly the, right. the big dogs with big horsepower and lots of chrome. I'm talking no, about the guys no, with big no. bank accounts. Yes. Big, huge bank accounts yes. because it, all that's going to do is strengthen the um, the, uh, uh, the 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 big you know the 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 old Dominion and 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 the LTLs. I mean, it's just going to make the big companies that much stronger. Well, think about you know, it because they can I, they can go I, ahead I, and afford they I'm can just, afford to lose money. I, I'm just talking about Craig Fuller. Remember, he's associated with U.S. Express. They just got bought. $808 million worth by Knight Swift. Wow. I think that's the second. By Knight? By, yeah. I think it's the second biggest merger in trucking history. Wow. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, it's big. That's huge. So so get ready. Get ready for uh, backward-facing cameras and, uh, and uh, maximum speed limits. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Um, well, you know, I don't know. You know, One other headline I want to throw out there just so I can get rid of it because I'm not going to talk about it tomorrow and by next week I'll forget about it. Um, I like to monitor what's going on with electric and new technology and, and autonomous as much as it freaks people out every time I talk about autonomous. Um, we need to pay attention. Too simple. Here's oh, an, I love it, it. Here's an interesting statistic that I've talked about too. Two simple trucks reach the 10 million mile mark. They have run their autonomous, autonomous trucks, trucks on the road. Just too simple. Just one company now has 10 million miles worth of autonomous vehicle on the highway pulling freight. Are they the ones from Phoenix to LA? Yeah, the, um, California? the Chinese company. Yeah. This is a Chinese company, by oh, the way. Oh, the Chinese company. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. So now now here's a statistic I've talked about. 10 million miles. How many accidents do you think that truck had? It probably had zero. One. One chargeable accident. One. One chargeable accident. There is not a trucking company in the United States. I don't believe that has ever reached that mark. Is that the one that had the blown tire? Let's think about that for something, for a second. We've been, we've had trucks on the road for over a hundred years, over a century. And this is the best we can do with safety where we are right now. With human beings driving the truck, we've got a hundred years experience to make it safer. And we haven't done a very good job. Here's a technology that's so new 
People are saying, oh, that's never going to work. It's never going to happen. It, they're going to kill people. At, here's a technology so new. This is like the first startup, the first company to reach 10 million miles, and they're already beating the safety records of humans. No, and and and, and I, so I'm driving a 2023 Freightliner Cascadia, and it has all these stupid uh, sensors on there. So when if you drive through New Mexico, because they have all that uh, all that road uh, um, that they're fixing, so they put that black tar in the cracks, you know. So this this lane departure warning will go off for half of New Mexico reading those things, right? <laughs> Drives you nuts. And then it <laughs> so and then it has the the um, automatic braking in case. Um, and we were we were talking the other day about driving on uh, snow or ice with your with your uh, with your uh, cruise control on. Yeah. And so I've done it since I've gotten a truck. You know what I mean? Just don't be an idiot. And so so there's a couple places though. Like when I was in in uh, Texas, thank God it was nicely there, but I had the cruise control on. It read the um, the uh, shadow from the bridge, and just they got nobody's around me. It just slabs the brakes on out of nowhere. What? <laughs> Wham! And locks them up. You know, I'm like son of a bitch. If I and there's that going 25 north. If you're going to Denver, there's a a nice little curve in the in the road there. It's like a 25 mile an hour thing. Well, it reads the the uh, center divider there like it's like it's a car coming at you. Wham! Slams on the brakes. I'm like, we got to. This is gonna. This is this is gonna cause more accidents than yeah, but than, it does You know than anything it, else. It, it doesn't. Yeah, we, we can prove that mostly in the automotive section. Oh no, no, this is different. This is different. This is different than this is different than the ones that are the autonomous ones. No, you know I know, I mean? but I'm well, sure every well, no, company. No, it's really not. Yeah. This is autonomous technology. The, 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 anything, the, 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 anything that replaces some of the job the driver used to do is autonomous. Cruise control technically is autonomous. Not fully autonomous. Right, that's true. Right. But but cruise control right. is a, automated manual transmissions. We have a computer shift the transmission sure. instead of the human being. All of those are technically sure. steps on the way to fully autonomous, autonomous right? Yeah. And and then what is uh, uh is that autonomous is the autonomous vehicle itself is the, is that what what do they what do they use for that? tractor do they just take a, a cascadia and make it well, autonomous right now or is it, is right it now. a tesla and, and too simple hat now too simple builds their own vehicles and so you know there's a, a too simple does have some miles i'd have to go through the article again and i don't want to do it right now they do have quite a few miles without even a person in the truck that's that's pretty no rare way. right now, right? No human being. Too Simple has put a Class 8 tractor trailer on the highway with no driver in it. That's happened already. Wow. Now, all of wow, these 10 crazy. million miles, the majority of those, there is a driver in that. But they have also been, yeah. they have put a vehicle on the road with no driver in the cab. It's happened. You were talking a while back about the electrics and the Tesla, and then it was it was I forget the other company, the one that actually they went out of business because of their lives, I think. But um, so 
what is a so a brand new uh, Volvo is over two hundred thousand dollars, right? Yes. Two hundred and ten thousand, I think, for a brand new one. Okay, yep. which sounds exorbitant. You're like a two hundred ten thousand dollars. Oh my god, that's huge, right? Well, um, I don't know what the Tesla's uh, costs and what it's going to be, but have you priced a new Ford diesel F three fifty Dually yeah. uh, with leather? <laughs> have you have, have you seen that? Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Have you seen the the base model? I think just in a regular truck like a F F F one fifty without getting any air conditioning. I want to say was that forty two or something stupid. Yeah, you, right. Yeah. So it sort hey. of makes it, it makes the two hundred thousand dollar Volvo look like a steal. Hey Tom, I just realized I was supposed to quit today at ten. Rolling toes on. No, oh, they're, they're waiting well. for me. <laughs> Oh, man, get out of here. I'm sorry. All Thank right. you. Sorry for keeping you. Thanks for all the good information. I would love your show, bro. Yeah, it wasn't your fault. I wasn't paying attention, and we were getting great calls. So, um, hey, Terrence, I see you're on the line there. Um going to have to blow you off today. Uh, we had two calls when I'm already dropped. Sorry about that. I, uh, You know, I said this morning I have to quit by 10, so get in early. And then I got talking about stuff. Well, you know what really got me off track was the... Uh, was the article by Craig Fuller, but that was worth talking about. So I'm going to wrap this up. We will be back in just a couple of minutes with Rolling Toe. All we have to do is close out one show, get them on, and uh, I will get that done right now. So I will see you back here tomorrow. Um, I've got John, Joel, and Henry. Um, should be a great show tomorrow. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy always. Do the hard work and master the journey.